Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor Tim Barone at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Let's open up to Romans chapter 8, our text for today. Paul continues in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is God's holy word. Well, here we have kind of a conclusion um, to Romans chapter 8. And in fact, a lot of commentators have said this is the conclusion maybe of all of 5 to 8, that whole section about Jesus and the redemption that he brings And then others have said, no, it's actually a conclusion for the whole book so far. Romans 1 to 8 concludes with these beautiful words. Um, And it starts off kind of with an interesting saying, what then shall we say to these things? And so a good question is, well, which things? Right? What is Paul referring to? Uh, He could be referring to the entirety of the argument so far about how God justifies through faith. Uh, But let's just look back into Romans 8 for this. Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This, of course, was following that uh, long argument and conversation in Romans 7 where people are struggling with their sins, even Christians, right? They're getting beat up by their sinful natures. And yet, thanks be to God, we have victory in Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So the first thing that Paul's referring to likely is that we are no longer condemned. Thanks be to God. We are no longer condemned. We are in Christ. We are washed into his name, into his work. Uh, And therefore, God will not condemn us on the last day. Similarly, 
We, along with all creation, are looking forward to renewal. So in Romans 8, it says that all creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right? Looking forward to what is to come. It's not yet here. And he says, we ourselves groan as we look forward to the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved, right? So even though creation is not yet perfect, and even though there's corruption in this world, there's corruption in the people, there's corruption in our bodies, there's corruption in our souls. Even though that's the case, we're looking forward to the hope that is coming. We know that Christ Jesus is coming back to this world to make all things new and to restore this world. And we also will be restored. In fact, he says that if the same spirit that dwelled in Jesus Christ dwells in you, then he will also bring your mortal body to life in the same way. And so even though there's corruption, we know we're going to be restored. And the proof of that is the spirit that dwells within us. Okay, final thing. Uh, Romans 8 says this, that all things are working for our good, that God is working for our good in all things for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And so if we're facing struggle, if we're facing hardship, if we're suffering in this world, uh, the answer is that yes, but God is working all things to the end of eternal life. And so the sufferings of this age are not worth comparing to the glory of the age that is to come, and God will ensure that we make it there. What then shall we say to these things? Right? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? This is the logical conclusion. If God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is on your side, do you have anything to fear anymore? Should you be bothered day in and day out by what's happening in your life and what's happening in your world? Do you have to bow to the pressures of this life. If God is for you, who can be against you? If you have that covered, isn't everything else kind of small potatoes? Look what he says. This argument is worth thinking about. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So his argument is to remind you of God's love. God sent Jesus for you. Is that enough? Uh, this is alluding uh, most likely to um, Genesis chapter 22, where God comes and he speaks to Abraham and he says, Abraham, take Isaac your only beloved son, take him up on the mountain in Moriah and there sacrifice him. And Abraham does this. He takes his one and only son and he uh, takes a donkey, he takes some wood, he gets some rope and he takes him up this long journey to Moriah and he uh, prepares the altar and Isaac says, hey, dad, I notice we don't have anything to sacrifice. And Abraham says, yes, but God will provide. And then on the top of the mountain, it, it becomes clear that Isaac is the sacrifice. As Abraham lays out his only son 
on this wood and he's going to uh, kill him with a, a knife as he would any other sacrifice and then burn him. And at the last moment, uh, it says that the angel of the Lord appears to Abraham and says, stop, don't do it. And then caught in the bushes is a ram caught by his horns and that becomes the sacrifice. Now, why would God cause Abraham to do that? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, a lot of people say, what a wicked God, right? To ask a, someone to sacrifice their own son, like he's crazy, right? What a wicked thing to ask. This is the common uh, thing that all of the other nations around Abraham, all the pagans, they would do these kind of things, sacrificing their children. And he was testing Abraham. He says, will you even give me your own son? But he stopped him. And you can imagine the heart-wrenching trip to to the top of the mountain, thinking, am I going to go through with this, right? What's going to happen? But God showed this picture of sacrifice. And if you're a parent, you think, I would never do that, (laughs) right? I would never do that. It would hurt too much. And God showed this, us this picture because this is exactly what he has done for you and for me. Right? The angel of the Lord stopped the hand of Abraham because Jesus, the messenger of the Lord, would be the sacrifice instead of Isaac. God did not spare his own son, do you see? He didn't stop. He allowed Jesus to be handed over to wicked men. He allowed Jesus to be killed for our sins, sacrificed so that we might live. And if we can understand the outrage of Abraham and the sorrow of that request from God, we can understand the gospel a little bit more. What did God not hold back for you so that you could be his? God gave up his one and only son. He gave him up into death. He gave him up into the cross so that he might save you, so that you might be spared. How could God, who was willing to give this up for you, how could he not go beyond that? Is there anything more precious than an only son? Is God going to be stingy to you in the light that he has already given you his most precious gift, right? That's the argument here. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Is God gonna hold back on you in your life now that you see he has already given you his son? He's already demonstrated his love for you in blood. Will he hold back on you for the rest? Of course not. And then he goes on. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God and who is interceding for us. So first of all, we have in these words, uh, 
a reminder of God's gracious forgiveness over us, right, through the blood of Jesus. And here we have this reminder that now we are standing with Christ and we cannot be accused any longer. And this reminds us in Isaiah chapter 50, what we heard, uh, read this morning, right, that these are kind of the words of Jesus. The suffering servant is recorded here in Isaiah 50. And he says, the one who vindicates me is near. Right? What caused Jesus to willingly go to the cross, take all the abuse, take all of the shade, right? The spitting, the mocking, the abandonment. He said, I know the one who vindicates me is on my side. And so I've sent my face like a flint. Who's going to declare me guilty, right? Let them stand up together. Who is, my Who is my adversary? Let them come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment, and the moth will eat them up. These are the words of the servant of God, the words of Jesus, right? As he went to the cross, knowing he was going to be vindicated from every false accusation, and so it is for Christians, right? As you are identified with Jesus, the suffering service, servant, as you have been baptized into his name, can anyone accuse you anymore? Uh, the name Satan means accuser, right? Can Satan come and accuse you and saying, you're not going to make it, you're too dirty, God wants nothing to do with you anymore. You're too wicked. You're too twisted. Will that accusation stick? Uh, will the world and maybe your family, your friends, will the frustration of those who are not saved accusing you of being immoral because of your Christian beliefs, will that stick Will it take you down, right? On the last day, will you be found guilty because you have been identified with Christ? Or will you too be vindicated as you have been joined with Jesus in his work and in his mission and in his suffering? Jesus says, blessed are you when others revile you for my, for my name's sake. no. Christians who are with the Lord, we have no condemnation anymore, and nothing can accuse us anymore. As we walk with the Lord, as we do his will, uh, no accusation will stick against us. We will be justified by God. And in verse 34, who could condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised but what's he doing? He's at the right hand of God and interceding for us. And so Jesus is the one who could condemn you. He's the judge of the living and the dead. He's the one who decides who lives and dies at the end. We say this every week in the creed. I believe, right? He will come to judge the living and the dead. Jesus Christ could condemn you. He's the rightful judge. But what is he doing? interceding for you. He's praying for you. He's pleading your case. So the point of all this, 
If we understand the justification that God has brought into this world for you, if you understand that you have been declared righteous by God and you will stand innocent on the day of judgment, if you understand that, it leads us to assurance. Right? If we understand what God has done and we understand that we have been declared righteous by the living God who created the heavens and the earth, it leads us to assurance. We are assured of our salvation, and we are assured of our standing. We are assured of our future. We're no longer afraid, right? We no longer stumble. We're no longer weak because we know where we're going, and we know what the end holds for us. When we see the love of God put forward, how can we not trust him? How can we not obey and rejoice in all the things he has done? And so uh, it goes on, right? Jesus is on our side. God is with you. He's on your side. And so 35, then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Here he's quoting Psalm 44, which is a complaint of suffering. Right? For God's people, how long, O oh Lord, will you wait and not rescue? And so he's acknowledging, guess what? In this life, it's still going to be hard. There's still going to be suffering. It was hard for Jesus the Lord. It may be hard for us too. And nonetheless, he says this, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this is the conclusion, right? If you take the love of God displayed in Jesus Christ and you put it on this side, and you take all of the things that could threaten you in all creation, you put it on this side, Jesus wins every time. The love of God wins every single time. And it's faith that clings to that and faith that believes that. Because it doesn't always seem that way. It doesn't always feel that way. And so we have to constantly reassure ourselves and remember who is this God and who is this Jesus and what has he done? And is that enough? Is it sufficient to outweigh all of the suffering? Yes. Isn't sufficient to, to get me through the cancer treatments? Yes. Right? Is it enough when I go bankrupt? Am I okay? Am I secure? Yes. Right? Is it enough when my family falls apart or I go through a divorce? My family abandons me. My friends, leave me. Is the love of God in Christ Jesus enough and sufficient for that? Yes. Is it enough when I'm attacked for my faith? Is it worth it? If you take everything in all of this creation, you just add it up. How many catastrophes could I have in this life? How much suffering could I have in this life? And will the love of God hold me? In Christ Jesus, and the answer, yes. 
It will. Right? God raised Jesus from the dead. God provided an eternal solution in Jesus. Anything that threatens you in all creation cannot be stronger than the creator of that creation. And so anything we walk through as Christians, we know is not enough to take us away from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to you in the gospel. He said, no, no one will take them out of my hands. The Father who is greater than all, no one will snatch them out of his hand. And guess what? I and the Father are one. What a stronghold of security we have as we hear the words, you are forgiven in the name of Jesus. What do those words mean? It means that God is for you. Nothing can be against you. Those words mean that whatever catastrophe you face in this life, God will overturn it. That the one who vindicated Jesus Christ will vindicate you. It means that your life will trace the life of Jesus and it ends not in tragedy but in glory. And underneath all of this road that you will walk is the love of God. The love of God that has called you. The love of God that has redeemed you in the blood of Christ. The love of God that says, one day I will raise you and we will be together forever. When we see uh, the reality of justification, it leads us to security. It leads us to assurance. It gives us that peace that passes all our understanding uh, so that we can be courageous. We can stand in this life and say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. And let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the redemption that you have displayed in Jesus Christ. And we ask that by your spirit, you would give us increasing faith in his work so that we can be continually assured of your love and continually know that nothing is strong enough to tear us away from you. We thank you through Jesus Christ for this love, and we pray, Lord, that we would be worthy of the calling uh, to walk in your ways as we anticipate all the promises you have given to us in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray it. Amen.